We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good a- good morning. It's morning. It's 10 a.m. Eastern time. Good morning to everyone out there in Irish breakdown land. And welcome. Welcome to IB Countdown to Kickoff. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been eight long months. We have been waiting for this morning for I don't know how long. I woke up this morning. It felt like Christmas morning. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I was super excited about it. I, I, I'm going to be fired up all day. I don't know how I'm going to deal with a four plus hour car ride uh, on the way to Columbus, but I'm super We're fired up. We're going to do a lot of it. talking. That's we are going to We are going to do a lot of talking. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it's going to be a blast. This is going to be a great day. We get to finally talk about a game day situation. Brian, I'm fired up. So. Let's just set the scene here for this yeah. show, because this is our first game day show. We had one last week, but it was kind of a preseason edition. So this is our first game day show. Normally, I'm on that side of the screen, and then in my spot is our buddy Sean Styers. It'll be the two of us getting you ready for kickoff every single week. But Sean had a little bit of a medical scare over yeah. the past couple of days, and so he's, he's still in the hospital. We kind of shared this with you guys yesterday, I believe, and... Uh, got a. I'll let you, Brian. I'll let sure. you kind of fill him, fill in, kind of what's going on with Sean, and hopefully we're going to get him back real soon. Well, Sean had a uh, a hard episode, and we appreciate he appreciates. He also <laughs> tweeted out and appreciates that uh, that everybody was thinking about him and praying for him, Vince. But he had a hard episode and uh, had some some dizziness and some shortness of breath. And so his wife, who's a nurse, I believe, I think she was the yes. one that advised him, you need to go to the hospital. Yeah, right. When the nurse tells you, <laughs> right. Go, okay. And they found out that there was a major blockage in his heart. So Crazy. fortunately the, he did not get to the point where he had a heart attack because they found it soon enough. So thank God that he had the episode that he had yesterday because that led him to go into the yeah. hospital to find out what was going on. They had a, he had a pacemaker put in. So uh, that should help alleviate the issue. And he uh, is going to kind of be down for a few days. He's still in the hospital now, but he does expect to be able to go home today, tomorrow at the latest. Awesome. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely good news in that regard, but um, continued prayers for his recovery and 
yeah. wisdom by the doctors is certainly appreciated. But uh, we'll we'll get them back here soon enough. And in the meantime, we're gonna have to that's right. We're gonna have to pick up the slack, right? Next man in and, yeah, and, right. and get her done and and try to do uh, do Sean proud because I know he was right. excited to to do this first this first countdown to kickoff show. So yeah, absolutely. Cause this yep. was his baby and uh, right. we, we, he and I have been really looking forward to this show for a really well, long time. It's, we've been wanting to do this for a couple of years, Vince. Correct. And it just was like, it's gotta be the right team. Yeah. And once Sean came on board, it was like, ah, that's the team, <laughs> Vince and Sean. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll get them back here as soon as possible. And uh, it, it's going to be rock and roll, but I'll do my best to fill that's in right. for you and Sean, for Sean today. Vince, as we uh, get ready for this huge, huge Oh, my gosh. Matchup. Oh, my gosh. Huge matchup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's set the stage, right? We've got Ohio State. We've got Notre Dame. Notre Dame took off yesterday, headed to Columbus. So they're they're in town. They had their walkthrough yesterday at the Horseshoe. So they're ready to rock and roll. The game, 7.30 tonight on Fox. Is that accurate? I, I didn't write that down. I should have written that I down. I think it's on ABC. Is it on ABC? Okay, thank yes. you very much. So it's on ABC. So make sure you tune in to that. I know that because <laughs> Sean wrote a uh... – how to watch then listen to the game article on the front page of irishbreakdown.com that has the serious channel the streaming channel there's a live uh, there's a free trial offer from fubo tv it'll be on there nice. uh but it's 7:30 p.m. eastern on abc okay and we will there was a, a question in the chat and it was a long time ago so i'm not even going to look for it but there was a question in the chat about will there be a live chat over on the board during the yes, game of course there will be yes. uh i i and if sean's home i can almost guarantee you he'll be contributing to it but i don't want to make any promises there yeah but brian will be contributing to it i'll be contributing to it so that'll be kind of a fun you know game day thread it always mm-hmm. is a good time yes. alan watson with the yeah. super chat thank you alan game day is here Smoker cooking, beer chilling, ready for an Irish win. He's predicting 38-30 Irish score late to seal the win. <laughs> I 
can't wait for this game. Let's let's get rocking and rolling, man, yes. Vince, because this is just I'm uh I'm getting too fired up. So we're gonna talk Notre Dame first, right? And then we are gonna preview some of the other games that are gonna uh, be played, some of the other big games of the weekend. We're gonna talk, I believe, Georgia and Florida. We're gonna talk you, excuse me, uh, Georgia and Oregon. We're gonna talk uh, Florida and Utah. We're gonna talk Cincinnati, Arkansas, and I believe we're gonna talk about uh, the Monday game, the Sunday or Monday game, right? A little bit as well. So, um, so we'll uh, we'll get that one rocking and rolling as well. So, gonna also cover some college, some big college football. One of the best week ones in a long, it is long time. And of course, it's just nice that Notre Dame is playing in the marquee game. Sorry, had to do that. Had to go there, didn't uh, you? Had to go there. Of, of the opening weekend of college football. The real yeah. opening weekend of the 2022 season. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. So, we are going to you, – you will see a trend going when we talk about – or when we start doing these shows and kind of how we break things down. So, the first hour plus, we're going to talk Notre Dame and we're going to talk about the matchup and we're going to talk to – uh, somebody who covers the opponent, you know, things of that nature. So that's going to be the first hour plus. And then we'll round out the last, I don't know, 40 to 45 minutes talking about college football as a whole. And yes, we are going to talk about the college football playoff and all of that. And we're going to talk about the big games as Brian alluded to. So that's kind of be how we're going to go through things. And so it's Notre Dame followed by college football as a whole. And we're going to round out your two hours and just have a friggin' blast. It's I'm excited. I'm pretty fired up about this whole thing. So let's talk Ohio State, Brian. What we're always going to talk about what's at stake for Notre Dame, but this show is a little bit different. It's the first show of the season. It's the first game of the season. We're talking about what's at stake. This is almost a what's at stake nationally for this game. It's such a big game. I mean, yes, what's at stake for Notre Dame? What's at stake for Ohio State? But this is the marquee game of the weekend. I mean, there, sure. I, I don't I don't even think that's arguable, if I'm being honest with no. you. So let's talk about that. So what's at stake in this game for the winner, for the loser? Where do they go after this? How does that affect, you know, college football as a whole? Well, for number one, if we just look at just this season, right? So let's focus on the 2022 season and not so much what it means for Notre Dame, big picture, what it means for recruiting momentum. Let's just talk about how it impacts the 2022 season for these two football teams. Number one, this is the number two Ohio State and number five Notre Dame teams in the country, which means one team that people think is in some capacity a contender for the college football playoff is going to get a loss in the opening game. There's right. no more ties anymore, right? Like this isn't 1988 Correct. or 1991. Right. There are no more ties. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And so some team that is a playoff contender is going to catch a, a loss in the opener, right. which game one. Does, does not eliminate that team from the playoff. Even a blowout doesn't necessarily eliminate them from the college football playoff. We saw uh, Georgia back in 2017 get blown out by Auburn and still make the college football playoff. I think for Notre Dame, a blowout would be more damaging than a blowout would be for Ohio State, simply because yeah. Ohio State would have a little extra stuff to kind of overcome that, like a Big Ten championship potentially if they went out. What it does is it puts these two teams all in a situation, Vince, where you're now for the remainder of the season, so for the next 12 weeks, you're in win or go home Absolutely. when it yep. comes to the college football playoff. And that is a that is a very interesting place to be after week one. 
And that's what it does. I mean, and that's what this weekend's going to do, right? Like same yep. thing with Georgia, Oregon, right? Like those are, if you're like Vince, I think you said it earlier this week on a show, if you're in the top 15, you, you kind of enter the season with a, with a, sh- a shot at now, look, we've seen unranked teams, Notre Dame in 2012 started unranked sure. and went all the way, but, but it puts you in a really good position where you can run the table. It also puts you in a good position where you can sustain a loss, right? The further down you are, the tougher it's going to be. And, there's two Pac-12 teams we're going to discuss that are going on the road this weekend, too, who could see their playoff chances just go up and smoke in week one. So I think that's the thing that makes this week one in- in- entertaining. And when you look at this particular matchup, somebody's going to, to be in a situation where you cannot afford to lose again for the right. rest of the season. Right. And that's going to be huge. I mean, there's recruiting impact and there's direction of your program impact. But looking at it from a standpoint of the 2022 season, this is going to have huge implications. And then last thing, Vince, if one of these te- – if the winner were to drop a game to somebody they shouldn't lose a game to, this win gives them a huge resume boost where they can sustain that kind of loss if they were to stub their toe because going undefeated in college football is hard. Nick Saban's won what? Seven national championships. Only two of those teams were undefeated. Right. And one of them was in a COVID year where they didn't play anybody out of conference until – you know, they got to the postseason. So it is hard to go undefeated. So having this kind of, you know, kind of get out of jail free card sure, with sure. a win and opening weekend like this is going to be huge for both programs, especially no, Notre yeah. Dame. No question. No question. And this is, look, Notre Dame has that stigma, right, of the of the big game failures. You know, you talk about the major bowls and you talk about all these different things. Now, of course, they never talk about the close losses to Georgia because – that doesn't that doesn't fit the narrative, and sure. I, and I and I get Rightfully it to a degree because so, it, it. it is the anomaly. It, it's not I get a normal it. situation, and sure. and they they dismiss the Clemson win because Clemson was missing not only Trevor Lawrence but two pretty key cogs Tyler on Davis, the defense, Mike Jones, yeah, right. right? Yeah, so so I get all of that. I totally get all of that. So Notre Dame has an opportunity here, very very early in the Marcus Freeman era, to kind of rewrite that. Yeah. You know that narrative for Notre Dame, or they slip right back into it, like, right. and, and I don't feel like there's a whole lot of middle ground. And I hate no. to say it that way, but I just don't feel that way. Yes, right. a close loss you can kind of kind of explain it away if it's competitive. Late I think in the fourth I quarter. actually think a close loss would do that because of the perception of they're going to get blown out. I think if it was right. a three point spread and they lost by four, it'd be like, yeah, I mean, you know, we, you are who we thought you were. Sure. Because sure. the Georgia game in 2019 is really a great example, Vince, because remember the right. spread was for that game. It was 16 points. Right. I mean, people just thought Notre Dame was going to go down to Athens and get run off the field. And they played them down the wire. They had the ball. They had the, they had the opportunity own, to at win. At their own 48, if we're going to get technical, I think yes. it was at their own 48 Correct. with a minute 51 left. And, I mean, a golden opportunity to go down yes. and win the game, you know, yes. and led for most of the game. And that earned a lot of people's respect. So since that people think, I mean, it's a two touchdown and a field goal is not enough to get to the cover, right? The spread, right. you know what I mean? The spread, like that's still, that's still not where you need, they are, you are to get to the 17 and a half. Right. So there's a perception to get blown out. So I do think a competitive loss, if it's a real competitive loss, not like one where you score a couple times late and make it more, you know, sure, more sure. competitive. Where it's you're an actual game. In the fourth a quarter. Legitimate. Yes, exactly. One possession game in the yeah. fourth quarter for me. I do think that helps Notre Dame, but it's not. It doesn't erase it, though. 
No, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't erase it, doesn't. it. And I guess that's the point I was making. It doesn't erase yeah. the narrative. It's like, right. okay, well, maybe this is a one-off, you know, that sort of a thing. And and you're still going to get well, – look, Notre Dame's always going to get the hate from people. that sure. Until they win a national title, they're, they're sure. going to get the hate. And, and Even again, then, well, they didn't have to play in a conference yeah. championship. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Of it. Yes, you are absolutely right. So this is a huge game. It's a huge game for both parties. There's no doubt about that, which which makes it even more exciting. So let's jump into specifically, let's pretend, let's pretend that you live on a foreign planet and you've never heard of Ohio State. Let's talk a little bit about Ohio State, what they bring to the table, what Notre Dame is going to face coming in. Obviously, Ryan Day is the head coach of Ohio State. They have a brand new defensive coordinator. And I think that that yeah. is somewhat the storyline here. If you're a Notre Dame fan and you're you're looking for a way, a narrative for Notre Dame to win, a path to victory for Notre Dame, this Ohio State defense hasn't been good, period. Right. And yeah, so since 19 when Jeff Hafley was there. Right. right. And so what does that what does the addition of Coach Knowles from Oklahoma State, who Notre Dame is very familiar with the scheme based on the Fiesta Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. He wasn't there, but still, same scheme. They broke down his defense to get ready for that game. Correct. So I think that is the storyline here. What is this Ohio State defense? Because all we've heard all preseason, everybody that's been to Ohio State's practices, this this front seven for Ohio State's the real deal, and and this is going to be a different defense, and all of these different things. Maybe that's true. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not. So what is the Jim Knowles effect? going into game one of his tenure at Ohio State. I think that's the narrative for me. Well, I think that that's, to me, it, him and Ryan Day go hand in hand. And here's why I say that. Because this is what separates Ryan Day from Lincoln Riley. And, and, and what I mean by that is Lincoln Riley is always looking for a defense that complements his offense, meaning just make enough stops for us to outscore teams, Right. That's why Lincoln Riley's never won a meaningful game, in my opinion. Right. And you can go back to the Ohio State game in 2017. Okay, fine. The second game of his career, when he inherited Bob Stoops' team and the right. attitude that Bob Stoops had inst- installed, sure, they won at Ohio State. Uh, an Ohio State team that later in the year lost by over 30 to Iowa. Okay. So that was, in my opinion, the worst or second worst Ohio State team of the last right. decade. Okay. So you 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 look at that. That's why they get blown out in the postseason because you can't make stops. Where Ryan Day understands, no, the kind of team we need to win a championship is the kind of team we had in 2019, where yes, we scored 46 points a game. We only gave up 13 points a game, and if it wasn't for a Herculean effort from one of the greatest quarterbacks of my generation and Trevor Lawrence, they're playing LSU for a national title. Now, if there was a team built to beat LSU that year, it would have been that Ohio State team. When you think about the team that they had, I mean, you had Chase Young on the edge. You had Jeff Okuda at corner. I mean, that that Ohio State secondary that year was about the only one that would have had any chance at all to slow down that that LSU team in the postseason. So I I think when you look at it, he understands if if we want to win championships, it's got to be that kind of team. It can't be this team that's losing 35-28 to Oregon. It can't be a team losing 42-27 to to Michigan. It can't be a team winning 48-45 shootouts. Ryan Day understands – that to be a great championship program, you've got to be, yes, you've got to be able to score, but you also got to be able to stop people and not get a stop or two, but be really good on defense. And I think that right there is why if you were to say, hey, Brian, you got to make a prediction. Who wins a championship first, Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley? I'm like, it's Ryan Day before you even finish the question because of 100%. that right there. And 100%. he hired Jim Knowles to do that. Now, will Jim Knowles be able to get that done? <clears throat> we'll find out. Build a good defense at Duke. 
built a pretty darn good defense at Oklahoma State. Took him a while to get there because he inherited much worse situations than the one he's walking into at Ohio State. Absolutely. I think the question for me, Vince, is how quickly will Jim Knowles get this thing turned right. around? That, to right. me, is the bigger question. I think he's going to get this defense rolling in a good direction. I don't think they have the talent they've had in past years, but that's a pretty high bar. They right. still have sure. talent. You know, there, there's is Cam Brown and Denzel Burke the same as Jaron Conley and Eli Apple in 2015? No, but they're still pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Right? And and that's the thing is 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 there a Chase Young on this defensive line or a Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa? No, but there's still talent, right? And so yeah. it's how quickly can you get everybody on the same page, improve their technique, improve their assignment correctness? They just that was a big thing last year. Their 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 scheme was so unsound. And they would just like have these gaping holes, and you're like, "What? How did how did that happen to Ohio State?" You know, they just wouldn't cover guys. Their schemes were easy to kind of recognize and pick apart. Jim Knowles is the polar opposite of that. He's going to disguise. He's going to mask. He's going to bring pressures from all over. If you didn't watch the breakdown, Ryan and I did on Tuesday. We kind of showed some screenshots to give you an example of just the different places. And we talked about Vince. You're going to see eight guys potentially able to come. On every play. Now they're not going to bring eight, but what I mean is the way they line up, you could see a corner fire, the linebackers, the safeties, the rover, the overhang, whether it's a nick, usually it's a nickel. Uh, so you're going to see all those guys potentially to come. And the goal is to create mistakes from your line that then result in tackles for loss and or sacks. Sure. Oklahoma State was top five last year in both of those categories. And then obviously to create confusion by the quarterback that's going to lead to incompletions, lead to turnovers and things along those lines. So it is a far more complex defense for the offense to face. But what Jim Knowles was, has been good at is getting his players to understand that complexity sure. and then execute it at a much higher level than a Brian Van Gorder, a John Tenuta, a, you know, a, a Kerry Coombs, you know, guys that have a similar uh, Alex Grinch, similarly complex systems. But can you get him to execute it? That's the difference between the Brent Venables and the Jim Knowleses and hopefully the Al Goldens from the other coaches who want to be complex but don't know how to get their players to execute that complexity at a high level. And I think that's what made this a good hire. Now, is that going to be enough in week one? Right. We'll find out. That's the question. Agreed. That is the question. If, and if you ask me where do I want to face Ohio State if I'm you know a fan of a team or for covering a team, it's game one, not game ten. You know, I, I don't want to give him 10 games to get this defense right, to get them where he wants them to be. I don't want that. I, I want game one where there could be some missteps here and there that you have to take advantage of. Look, I'm not saying that he's going to throw out a bunch of scrubs and they're going to look like a terrible defense. That would be great, but that is not reality. That'd be great for Notre Dame, sure. Yes, that would that'd be great, but that's not reality. The reality is you have to take advantage of the small mistakes that they make because there will be small mistakes. There, there sure. will be a couple miscues, a coverage mess up, you know, whatever. But if Notre Dame doesn't take advantage of those, it doesn't matter. And you got to pick your spots. So right. that's my big thing with watching this defense is, look, they're going to be better than they were last year. I fully anticipate that. But they're not going to be perfect. It's game one. I don't, you know, I would be shocked right. if they play a perfect game defensively. Absolutely shocked by that. So, so let's talk. A little analysis. You kind of alluded to the fact that you you and Ryan, you know, put together some screenshots and you kind of showed what the defense mm -hmm. is all about. I kind of want to move over to the other side of the ball. I want to talk about the Ohio State offense because they're the ones that are getting the press. We're, I've heard them compared to the LSU offense of 2019. I have heard that. It's not me just making that up. You know, 
what can this offense be, number one, just from an Ohio, not a versus Notre Dame yet at this point, but what can this offense be from Ohio State, from the film that you've watched? You know, you're an offensive guy. I know you love offense. So what can this offense be for Ohio State? Then we'll talk about how Notre Dame can possibly slow him down a little bit. You know, we've heard a lot about Jim Knowles and how important he is and all that kind of stuff. I, I still believe that that Justin Fry is every bit as important as Jim Knowles as a hire. Because what we've seen from Ohio State the last couple seasons, more so this past 2021 season than in 2020, uh, which the COVID year was kind of weird, a weird, strange season. But Vince, it's it's they they were far too one-dimensional this past season. And that's just not where they want to be. Right. And and I think that when you when Ohio State's really rolling, they can really run the football. I mean, yeah. you again, I'm gonna keep pointing yeah. back to the 2019 team because I think that was that was the best team they've had. I know some Ohio State people that disagree with me. One we'll have on today. But you look <laughs> at that 2019 team. They ran for at least 200 yards in every single game in the regular season that year. And then they ran for 172 against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Wisconsin had a really good run defense that year. But then they go to the, the college football playoff. But even in that game to Clemson, they still ran for 196 yards. And J.K. Dobbins, I believe, had a touchdown reception in that game. Last year, it looked early on like they were going to be good running the ball. Ran for over 200 against Minnesota, had 300 against Tulsa, 237 against Akron, 208 against Rutgers. But then there's that game in the middle of that against Oregon where they went for buck 28. And then over the next four games, they didn't get to 200 yards once. And they only had a, a over 170 once against Indiana. They were they were 4-7 a carry against Penn State. Then they were held to 90 yards on 30 carries against Nebraska. Ran all over Purdue and Michigan State, and then got completely dominated by by Michigan and didn't really run the ball all that well against Utah either, but they didn't really try. And so, to me, they, ha they had a severe lack of balance last year, and that's why Justin Fry got hired. Justin Fry got hired to bring back toughness, to bring back physicality, to get the run game back because the other part of this is, again, you're, he's trying to build a champion. He's not just okay 11-2, and I respect the heck out of Ryan Day for that because – we saw a similar situation like that with Notre Dame in 2015, you know, where, Hey, if we, you know, we're, we're a touchdown here, we're a touchdown there, you know, from being, you know, a really good team. And, you know, we just got a coach Remember that it was, it was just yeah. got to play a little harder and coach a little better and made no staff changes. Ryan day said, no, 11 to two is not good enough. Getting beat by Michigan's not, not acceptable. Getting beat at home by Oregon's not acceptable. Barely beating Utah in the Rose bowl where we gave up 45 points is not acceptable. Getting held to under 100 yards, 100, under 130 yards three times last year is not acceptable. And so he, what did he do? He went out and made changes and, and brought in Justin Fry, who is a really good, tough offensive line coach, worked with someone who Ryan Day knows well and Chip Kelly, who Ryan Day worked for in the National Football League with the Niners and Eagles. And his goal is to get the run game back going. I think that's going to be the key for Ohio State is to get back to being more balanced. They've got an elite running back in Travion Henderson, elite running back. And it's even more important that the run game, that the offensive line play well because you don't have a dual threat quarterback like you did with 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 um, Justin Fields or JT right. Barrett. Right. Now, he's not, as, he's not as immobile in the pocket as Dwayne Haskins was in 2018. He can you know, CJ Stroud's a good athlete. He can move the chains. He can, you know, if you if you drop eight and there's a crease, he can run for you know 15 yards. But he had like, I think as a freshman, had like a 50-yard touchdown. But it was like, you know, he's not he's not a, a really a weapon as a runner, right? So you're not gonna run a bunch of read zones, you're not gonna run Q power, that kind of stuff, read and that kind of stuff. So you really need your offensive line to be able to to get movement, open up holes, and and get 
get room for Travion Henderson, who has good size as a back, but is explosive. Yes. I mean, and incredibly explosive back. I almost feel like even though he's as good as you say, and, and I agree with you a thousand percent, I almost feel like he's the X factor. He's the one that doesn't get talked yeah. about. It's, it's all quarterback yeah. and wide receivers. Quarterback and wide receivers. Trayvon Henderson's an afterthought, and he's really good. Right. He's really, really good. This offensive line for Ohio State is, I think, a little bit of an X factor as well. I, mean, I know they've got some pretty highly touted tackles. Uh, they've, they've got a brand new interior. Let's talk about versus Notre Dame now, because sure. if we do the matchup game and we talk about advantages and all of those different things, I'm, I feel very confident in Notre Dame's front versus Ohio State's offensive line. Am I crazy? Yeah. How do you see that matchup going? And is that a key to Notre Dame's defense and being successful or at least partially successful against this Ohio State offense? Absolutely. I mean, look, they cannot, this cannot be a situation where Ohio State's able to be balanced. If Ohio State is balanced in this game and they can run and throw, you have no chance. You better hope your offense is ready to score 50. Right. You have no chance. Because what we saw last year was a very prolific pass offense. But I think, you know, I think some of the stuff we hear about, you know, comparisons to LSU in 2019, a lot of that's hyperbolic in my opinion and and they look at it based on you know 45.6 points per game and all 45.7 points per game and you know, my response is you know they scored oh you know they scored more than that in 2019 they scored almost 47 points per game and they weren't quite as dynamic throwing the ball that year they could still throw the ball with Justin Fields but they weren't quite as dynamic but they were a more effective offense at scoring points because they could run the ball and so the, the offensive line has talent, Vince. You've got, obviously, Paris Johnson Jr. at left tackle. You've got uh, Dewan Jones at right tackle, who I'm not super high on. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Donovan Jackson starting at guard, who was a former five-star recruit. Matthew Jones is a really physical, you know, tough kid. Not as talented as the other guys, but tough and physical. Same with Luke Whipler. Not the elite, you know, potential future first-round pick like Paris Johnson, but a tough, hard-nosed kid from Jersey. Uh, so, it, they got the tools to be a good offensive sure. line. It's how quickly can they get it going, which is a very similar question to Notre Dame offensive line. So Notre Dame's defensive line is going to have a battle on their hands. Now, they're capable of winning this matchup, but they 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 need to do it. If Notre Dame's going to have success in this game, Vince, it can't just be, well, we outplayed their front because right. that happened in 2020 against Alabama. And I don't care what anybody says. You go back and watch that game. The Notre Dame defensive line outplayed the Alabama defensive line in, in the Cotton in the Rose Bowl in 2018 or 2020. The problem, however, is that they didn't dominate the matchup. So them winning the matchup meant they were getting penetration, they were getting pressures, they were forcing bounces, but they weren't making plays on the quarterback. They weren't getting sacks, they weren't getting tackles for loss, they weren't dominating the matchup and putting Alabama behind the sticks. And that was the reason Alabama was able to go out and still move the ball at will against Notre Dame because they could then expose the advantage they had on the perimeter. So if you want to have a, a chance of success against this offense, you can't let C.J. Stroud get into rhythm. But more importantly, you can't let Ohio State establish a run game. If they're able to come out and establish a run game early, now all of a sudden life is much easier on C.J. Stroud and you're not going to have much of a chance to shut down this offense. So dominating in the trenches is going to be a very important key for Notre Dame. Are they capable of it? Yes. Yeah. Doing it, saying it and doing it are, are much different things and doing it is possible, but it's, it's not going to be easy. This isn't Virginia's offensive line, right? This isn't USC's offensive line. 
this is a more talented offensive line that's got some guys moving around. You know, Paris Johnson's going from right guard to left tackle. That's not an easy transition to play right-handed to left-handed. Now, he is a natural left tackle in that that's where he played, but he didn't play it all of last year. Guard is different footwork. It's different technique. Right. Right. He was playing right-handed instead of being left-handed. That Ask any offensive lineman, that is not an easy transition to make. It takes time. You don't want to be trying to make that transition while going up against Isaiah Foskey and Riley Mills. Right. That that's going to be the key. So and and they're big and physical up the middle. Right. So that means Jason Adamiola, Howard Cross, Jacob Lacey need to use their their athleticism and quickness to be able to hold up and make plays and penetrate. So it's really keeping Ohio State off balance, sure. forcing them to make quicker decisions and not letting them in a rhythm. If you do that, you got a chance. If you can't do that, then it's going to be a long day for Notre Dame. They're capable of it, Vince. Right. Right. It's just right. <clears throat> can they do it? So I'm going to flip the script and we, we're running a, a teensy-weensy short on time, but that's, you know, whatever. It's all good. We can do it. Uh, I do want to flip the script, go to the other side of the ball. You know, Notre Dame's offense. Again, if you're outside of the Notre Dame community, that's a giant question mark sure. for everybody. They don't, you know, new quarterback, not, no depth at wide receiver, you know, no depth at running back. They lost their best running back, da 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 da, da right? I, I mean, you can go down the list. Tyler Buckner, and we've talked about this in the past, you know, over the week, over the last eight months, he's kind of the X factor to what Notre Dame can do against Ohio State. So what can people expect, both nationally, Notre Dame fans, Ohio State fans, whoever, what can they expect from Tyler Buckner in this game? What says Brian Driscoll about Tyler Buckner? Well, I don't, I don't know what to expect right now, right? That's the thing, because we haven't seen him in this role. I think the one thing we can expect to see is he's going to make plays with his legs. That's the one thing that we know about Tyler Buckner. He's going to make plays with his legs. The question, however, is this Notre Dame offense is not going to be elite unless Tyler Buckner can make plays with his arm. Now, I'm not one of those people that subscribes to the, the theory that, well, last year, that's who Tyler Buckner is. No, he was playing a role last year. Correct. They were using his athleticism last year. But we've got to see him, Vince. We've seen the anticipation in practice. We've seen it in the Blue Gold game his freshman year. We've seen it in high school. We've seen the the ability to get the ball out on time, if not early, throwing guys open, all that kind of stuff. But we haven't seen it done in front of 105, 110,000 people in a you know live televised night game. Those are the things that we need to learn about Tyler Buckner. But but honestly, he is he is the key in my view. I think Notre Dame has better talent at receiver than people give him credit for. Uh, we'll we'll hear a little bit of that, I believe, in the interview coming up here with Brendan, uh, which we recorded last night. I had to cut a couple segments out, but I believe one of the segments I left in was him talking about the receivers at Notre Dame and how they're not that good and all that kind of stuff. And and I love Brendan, but you know I understand why people think that, right? Sure. Despite oh, the fact absolutely. that Lorenzo Styles had more catches as a freshman than Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka combined. Yeah. You know, besides that, uh, you know, he he is a guy that there's just not a lot of faith in. So I think the pass catchers are good enough. It's can Tyler Buckner get them the ball? Can he avoid the bad turnovers? You know, the ones that give Ohio State a, a 30 yard field. Right. You know, or take points off the board for you in the red zone, things like that. Can he can he make the big plays with his arm? Can he get the ball down the field? Can he can he be effective on first down and get the chains moving and those kind of things? That's what you're going to need to do, Vince, because I think the offensive line is going to have a good night. I think the skill talent is there. It's just about can the trigger man get the ball where it needs to go to on time, accurately, yep. 
and give those guys a chance to be effective. Because I do like the weapons that Notre Dame is bringing to the table. And I just I just need to see the quarterback get the ball. I mean, look, everybody talks about, oh, the scheme is great and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Jim Knowles is going to get it going. But look, this is still a team in Ohio State that, that, in my opinion, really struggled to defend the pass last year. And it wasn't just scheme related. It wasn't. Denzel Burke's a good player. He's not Eli Apple. Cam Brown's a good player. I don't see him being Jerry Conley at this point, right? The safeties, Ronnie Hickman, really good run defender. Can he cover? It's a different conversation, right? And those are the things that we're that, that Notre Dame needs to be able to test that. But it won't matter if the if the trigger man can't get the ball where it needs to go. And and that's the key. He's got weapons. He needs to spread the ball around. He needs to be the ultimate point guard. And we've talked about that in the past. But not only just a point guard, but he also needs to make plays himself. And I think right. that's where, you know, again, this is projecting. This is me being an analyst. I think that's where people are going to be the most surprised with Tyler Buckner is his accuracy and what he's able to do, pushing the ball down the field, getting the ball where it needs to go. And then also what we already know is that he can be dynamic with his legs as well. So it, I just can't wait, man. I just, I cannot wait to hear what people have to say about Tyler Buckner. I hope he has the game that I think he can have. It's a big stage for your first start. No doubt about it. Everybody's worried that he's not going to be able to handle the pressure and the atmosphere and all of those different things. And I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think he is going to be able to handle those things. We shall see. The proof is in the pudding at 7.30 tonight, and uh, that can't get here soon enough. But as you alluded to, we do have an interview with an Ohio State beat writer. I'll let you set it up. You had the interview. It was, in full disclosure, it was done last night just for time purposes and, you know, availabilities and all of those different things. But this is a really interesting interview, so I'll let you set it up, Brian. Yeah, actually, I introduced it in the video, so let's just get that sucker rocking and rolling. To get an inside look at the Ohio State Buckeyes, we are joined by Brendan Gulick, the publisher of Buckeyes Now, which is a part of the Fan Nation Network that Irish Breakdown is also a part of. You can also find Brendan's work on his YouTube channel, Buckeyes Now, and his podcast, Buckeyes Now. So, Brendan, I know you're a very, very busy man. You've got the Buckeyes channel that you're working. You're also uh, running the Cleveland Guardians channel. we got basketball seasons right around the corner. I know you run a Cleveland Cavaliers channel as well. But you know what? Right now, Brendan, there is nothing more important than Notre Dame versus Ohio State. So wanted to get his opinion on just where things stands with the Buckeyes. Brendan is my favorite follow on the Ohio State beat. So definitely check out his site. Very good stuff. Brendan, thanks for joining us today, buddy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to help. I appreciated uh, your perspective. I know our listeners really enjoyed uh, some of the comments that you had when you joined our show earlier. And uh, before we go any further, man, just want to let you guys know that uh, certainly keeping Sean in our prayers. I know things are a little up in the air for him right now. He's yeah. he'll be okay, but um, he's in our thoughts and prayers. So uh, hang in there, to Sean. Appreciate that very, very, very much. So, Brendan, let's talk about Ohio State, and we're going to talk a little big picture here before we dive into the specifics of this Notre Dame Ohio State matchup. You go into year four of the Ryan Day tenure, correct? This is year four of his tenure so his first full recruiting class sort of heads into their senior seasons what are expectations for Ohio State this year obviously there's the the general you know national you know but is it at the point now in year four where it's like you know hey look it's time to it's kind of take that time to take that next step no I I really think for as much as the hyperbole exists and it it always exists around the biggest programs in the country that have those lofty expectations 
I'm not so sure that last year it was fair to say national championship or bust because you had no idea what you were going to get out of your quarterback. You you think you got talented guys in the roster, but this isn't a game of hypotheticals. You got to go do it. Uh, and until you see what C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord or Jack Miller or Quinn Ewers had, you know, you didn't really know for sure what the season was going to look like. I feel like 2022 reminds me more going into this season of what we all sort of hoped 2020 was going to be. The Buckeyes had a great team in 2019 with an unbelievable defense, a really talented offense in Justin Fields' first year, and all the reason in the world to feel the motivation of coming off of losing to Clemson in a game that Buckeye fans feel like was was stolen from them. And then COVID happened. And it was, are we going to have a year? Are we not going to have a year? Um, you know, had several games canceled. I know we we saw essentially the, the rematch with Clemson and the Sugar Bowl and the Buckeyes got their revenge. They go and play Alabama and they're missing a whole bunch of players because of COVID. It just felt like they played the national title game with their hand, you know, one hand tied behind their back. And Alabama was elite. I don't know the Buckeyys would have won yeah, the they game. They were going to have a hard time winning. Yeah. yeah, they were going to have a hard time it, winning that game, even if they were healthy. That was just a great sure. Bama team. For sure. It just it left you feeling frustrated because it was like, hey, you know, you get a chance to play for, for the national championship, and then things just fell apart. Um, so I, I feel like when we kick off the 2022 season, you know, Ryan Day's 34-4. and four. That's preposterous. I mean, that's like, that doesn't happen. Uh, certainly not at, at major college football level. Um, you know, he, he didn't lose a big 10 game until the last big 10 game of the year last year over his first four years, 23 and one. This, this program has been building toward being the, the last team standing. And last year, the reason they weren't able to get over the hump was because the defense wasn't good enough. They weren't abysmal but they weren't even close to being as good uh, maybe to that Ohio state standard. They certainly weren't what they were in 2019. And so, you know, again, got to go prove it. Got to see what you have on that side of the ball, but there, there really are no questions around the offense. You kind of know what you have. You feel better about the offensive line because you actually have tackles playing tackle and guards playing guard. Um, this team is going to go as far as the defense can take it. And there were noticeable signs of improvement throughout the year last year. I think we're going to talk a little bit about the the revamped coaching staff, much of which is on the defensive side of the ball. It's time to go prove it. You know, you don't win games by talking and, and writing and, um, and chirping. So let's see what they got. But there's a lot of people feeling pretty good about where the defense is at the start of the year. You've got a lot of new faces and new places. Let's kind of talk about some of those new faces, Brendan, and who do you think are, is going to the guys that kind of need to make the biggest impact for Ohio State when you look at the new coaches on the staff? I mean, I feel like it's low-hanging fruit, but I, I think it has to start with Jim Knowles. You know, Ryan Day hired him to basically be the head coach of the defense. Last year, you know, game one didn't go great, but the Buckeyes beat Minnesota. And, and by Ohio State standards, game two was a disaster. It was an unmitigated disaster. Oregon clobbered the Buckeyes. And I know the scoreboard didn't reflect a blowout, but I mean, they ran the same play several times and kept ripping off 
huge, huge gains. It's like, where's, where's the adjustment? Even after halftime, figure it out. Um, and that's no offense to, to guys that I thought were really good coaches. Matt Barnes is a defensive coordinator for a reason. You know, he's, he's moved on to Memphis now. Um, I love Kerry Combs. I think Kerry's a great, great guy. And he was, he was the perfect Mr. Buckeye on the coaching staff. Just didn't work for him as a defensive coordinator last year. Um, you know, Al Washington, there's a reason why he's coaching at Notre Dame right now. He's a really good coach. It was just time for a, a new voice or a new system or something. You know, it wasn't a reflection of, of being bad at your job. So I think Jim Knowles is getting paid a boatload of money to get it right. Um, on a personal standpoint, <laughs> I love the guy. He's he's everything you want your defensive coordinator yeah, to be. He is like the stereotypical you know? defensive yeah. coordinator. I mean, he really he, is. He's he's scruffy. He's uh he's got a low octave to his voice. He pulls the bull of his the, the bill of his cap over his eyes. You, you can't really like see him. Um, you know, it, he's he's a vegan and all he does is drink coffee out of a McDonald's cup. I mean, he's just kind of like that like the, like the silent assassin kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, look, if it doesn't work, we're going to think it's cheesy. If it works, right. everybody's <laughs> going to think he's a cult right. hero. Um, <laughs> right. But you get the impression that like, that's who he is. And he's kind of mm-hmm. setting that tone of we're here to, to be stupid aggressive and to bring the silver bullets back. And I think the rest of the, the especially the defensive coaches that came on and, and Perry Eliano and in former Buckeye, Tim Walton. Um, and, you know, Larry Johnson is, I mean, look, man, he's one of, if not the greatest defensive line coach in, in college football history. He's, he, his resume is unbelievable. Um, and, and even as he is seasoned in his career, uh, he's got a lot of energy and he's still doing a heck of a job. So, you know, I, I think the, the mindset of the defense has changed. I, I, as an Ohio state fan, I hate losing to Michigan, Sure, but I almost feel like every once in a while, you kind of need to be reminded why it's a rivalry. And, and sometimes it's good to lose a game like that because it, it can fuel your program for more than just the next season. And Ohio state was pretty sick and tired of hearing all off season, how soft they were. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we're going to find out what they did about it when they go out and play an offensive line that much like Ohio State's defense last year was young and inexperienced and looking to figure it out, Notre Dame's offensive line is, is basically bringing everybody back. I hope Patterson is, is healthy. Even if he's not, it, it's a good line. And this game is going to be won and lost at the line of scrimmage, in my opinion. Uh, so let's ask this, uh, Brendan. I want to just talk a little bit about matchups. As you're sitting in the stands and, you know, you've kind of broken this team down and you're ready to kind of say, okay, we've talked Ohio State and Notre Dame, very similar situations, a lot of new coaches, a lot of new faces, saying all the right things, hearing all the right things. When you sit down and you watch that game, give me a matchup or two on both sides of the, you know, on each side of the ball that you're going to be looking at to say, okay, if the things that we think are going to happen positively for Ohio State are going to happen, it's going to manifest manifest in this matchup or in that matchup, meaning not necessarily the coaching changes, but if the Buckeyes are going to be the team that, that people think they're going to be, I have the Ohio State in the college football playoffs, so I think they're going to be pretty good. What are the thing, What are the matchups you're looking for in that game to say, okay, yes, we've heard all this, 
if this this team is going to be as good as we think it is because these matchups are going to be ones they thrive in. I, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that Ohio State feels they can throw the ball on anybody. Um, even before Ryan Day became the head coach, you know, in his five years in the or since 2017, so he was the, he was not the head coach his first two years in the program. Um, but in his five years so far, Ohio State has had 40 plus points per game on average every year. And two of the last three years, they've either led the country or or been top three in the country offensively, largely predicated on their ability to throw the ball. Dwayne Haskins could throw it. Justin Fields could throw it. C.J. Stroud can, can really throw it. And they've got the, the weapons to do it at wide receiver. There have been a lot of questions recently to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Hey, do you think you can have 2,000 receiving yards this year? I, I mean, I'm sure he probably could. I really don't think that's good for the Buckeyes. They don't, they don't need that. You know, he, he had the Big Ten record last year, 1,606 receiving yards. And obviously everybody remembers what he did in the Rose Bowl when he set an all-time bowl record and went, you know, bananas. I, I just don't think while he is capable of playing at that elite level, what makes Ohio State good right now is its depth of talent. Marvin Harrison Jr. is really, really good. Mecca Igbuka is really, really good. Julian Fleming was the top-rated wide receiver in the country when he came out of high school, and he's shown flashes of it a little bit. He's just been battling injuries. Everybody in that facility has said Julian had an unbelievable offseason. He was one of seven guys on the team that they named an Iron Buckeye. He's healthy, and, and he's going to see the field. Um, so between Fleming and, and Igbuka and Harrison and obviously Smith and Jigba, C.J. Stroud's going to have the ability to throw the football. When Ohio State last year got a little out of whack, it was in instances where maybe they wanted to run and couldn't or where they got in places in the game where they just, you know, like against Michigan late, they really couldn't afford to run it. They, they were chasing the game they had to throw. I think Ryan Day is going to want to almost like overdo the rushing attack on Saturday, I think he really wants to prove a point with how physical they are. And I actually almost wonder if it might be to their detriment, because as I give you that long-winded explanation. Hey, I think, this is Irish breakdown, man. Long-winded explanations are a common thing. <laughs> that, okay, that so you are good. <laughs> that is part of it, buddy. So you um, are good, man. <laughs> I think Brandon Joseph is elite, and I think Cam Hart's really good. I don't know exactly how those guys are going to line up on any given play or who they're going to cover, but because Ohio state has the depth of talent that it does at that spot, if you're throwing away from Joseph or away from Hart, and it's, I'm not trying to be offensive to to the other guys that are going to start. It looks like Clarence Lewis might be the other corner and DJ Brown may be the, uh, the opposite safety. If I'm CJ Stroud and I know what I got, I'm going to make those guys prove it. Um, I think the offensive line is going to have their hands full, but I don't think CJ is going to be running for his life. So key matchup, whoever isn't offensively going up against Joseph or Hart, Um, you know, while keeping in mind that I think the Buckeyes are going to try really hard to a step, like I, I would be floored if Ohio state's first offensive play of the game is not a Travion Henderson run. I'd be, shell-shocked um 
I think they want to go out and prove we can be a, a tough physical football team. Um, Mayan Williams is going to get a bunch of carries. I think those two are probably going to have something like 25 to 30 carries on Saturday. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mayan Williams has 10 or 11 of those. Um, but specific matchups, whoever who, whoever in the secondary uh, is is working opposite of Joseph and opposite of Hart, I think could be uh, spots the Buckeyes try to exploit. So what about when the Buckeyes are on defense? What are the matchups that are going to let you know, hey, this defense has got a chance to turn this thing around because this is a matchup that they're 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 having success with. So I like or not or sure. not. I like Notre Dame's offensive line quite a bit. I'm not sold on their wide receivers. Um, I think that group could be okay, but it's just unproven. So I don't know how comfortable Tyler Buckner is going to be. If guys get in tight spots, maybe an early drop, like maybe that rattles a kid in his first start. I would expect that Notre Dame is going to try to run the ball and try to find Michael Mayer as often as possible because I think he's the best player on either side for the Irish. I am a little concerned at how the Buckeyes are going to try to find a way to stop Michael Mayer. I I don't think it's going to be one guy in particular. I think they're going to have to try to rotate different looks at him. I don't know for sure that Tommy Eichenberg is the right answer for that. Um, Mayer has a fairly decisive size advantage against steel chambers against every linebacker he's going to face this year (laughs) yeah but steel can move better than eichenberg can right the the one guy that i would be really intrigued to see with mayor one-on-one would be chip Trainum. i think he is he, he could he could potentially be problematic for mayor um diamante Trainum. for those who don't know he's a northeast ohio kid Wanted to play running back instead of linebacker out of high school. Went to Archbishop Hoban. He was a several-time state champion. Played for the best high school football team in the state of Ohio, regardless of which division they played in. Um, They were awesome. The Buckeyes wanted to play linebacker out of high school, and he basically said, no thanks. He went to Arizona State to be a running back. Didn't go the way he wants, so he transferred back, and now he's he's in Columbus. Um, I think he's the real deal. He's really, really special. I don't know how often he's going to get on the field because it sounds like Jim Knowles really doesn't want to play the same depth at linebacker and and defensive back that we saw last year. He's willing to rotate 12 to 14 guys up front, but it sounds like he doesn't want to play quite as many, you know, extra guys in his back seven. So I am a little concerned about who is going to guard mayor. um, And I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on, the linebacking core in particular when Notre Dame prioritizes running the football Mm -hmm. Uh, last year, Ronnie Hickman led the team in tackles by a lot. Hickman told us this week that he feels things are different because last year too often opposing running backs were getting to him untouched. And now in practice, the defense has gotten good enough to the point that Hickman's not making solo tackles anymore. That's kind of how he has been able to judge, Hey, things are getting better from this perspective. Um, so whoever's guarding mayor is going to have a tough assignment. Uh, and, and whichever safety who's down in the box or linebacker that has the ability to make a one-on-one tackle on a running back has to get the job done. 
that is going to do it. Let everybody know where they can find you, obviously, your website, your Twitter, and all your other channels. Let people know where they can find your work. At, at, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I'm a busy guy. I'm in a lot of places. <laughs> uh, all the Ohio State stuff, if you're interested, BuckeyesNow.com is the is the, the website home for that. Uh, our social channels are BuckeyesNowSI. Uh, and then our, our podcast is called Buckeye Breakdown. You can find that on YouTube. And, and much like what you guys are doing here, we're, we're kind of simul, simul stream, simul casting that uh, so that it's it's both live on YouTube, but then it's available wherever you like to get your podcast after that. Um, for anybody that might be interested in your audience, if you're a baseball fan or basketball fan, I, I cover the Cleveland Guardians. That's Cleveland Baseball Insider. It's also in our, our Fan Nation network. Um, just about to launch the Cavs site. CavsInsider.com will be the site there. And uh, things in the NBA got real interesting yesterday when the Cavs traded for Donovan Mitchell. So we're pretty yeah. excited about that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, my personal Twitter handle is uh, Brendan Gulick 22. You can see my name spelled there on the bottom and uh, 22 on the end. Uh, and then I do a lot of play by play beyond that. So you, you might see me on some different platforms. Uh, I do some Olympic sports on big 10 network. Uh, I do a lot of division two and division three NCA championships on NCA.com. I do some selection shows for them. Um, lots of different, you know, ESPN plus platforms for, for different stuff. So uh, I'm in a lot of places. It's I'm easy to get a hold of if you're trying to poke fun at me or get a hold of me, whatever you want. So there you go, Vince. That was my interview with Brennan Gulick. Very good dude. Uh, yeah, you know, like yeah. I said, if you're a guardians fan, it's the guardians, right? It's the name of their baseball team now. Yeah, uh, or, a, or a Cavs fan. Check. I'm not insulting any Cleveland yeah, fans, but whatever. They, it's, it's so much better with the name. It's dumb. Anyway. So much better. Anyway, so that was the interview with uh, Brennan Gulick. And he's pretty tame for the Ohio State expectations. But like, <laughs> That's fair. So the fact that somebody asked, hey, you think 2,000 receiving yards is spot? Like, come on, guys. Like, right. whatever. Uh, whatever. It, whatever. It, just, it just goes to show you. That nationally and on the Ohio State side, they, there is no path for Notre Dame to win this game. No, this is a preseason opener for Ohio State. That they're, you know, <laughs> there was a, a guy on Ohio State fan on YouTube. He's like, "You're such a homer." When was the last time Ohio State scored only 26 points? And I was like, uh, "In November against Nebraska." Like, dude, you lost two games last year, scoring 28, 27 points. Don't act like I'm absurd for thinking Notre Dame might have a chance to hold you to 26. It just it's uh, it's comical at this point. And that's why I love the Ohio State fans that have jumped in our chat, the the ones that we've allowed to stay. Because, like, yeah, they, they think their team's really flipping good, but there's at least some level of respect for Notre Dame in the conversation. You don't get that in a lot of places. But right. you know what we said the other day, Sean, or, uh, Vince, is respect is earned. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Respect Absolutely. is earned. You don't just get respect because you're Notre Dame. you got to earn respect, and Notre Dame hasn't earned that respect in a long time. And tonight's another chance to do that. But uh, it's very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is one of my favorite parts of the show, Brian. And we're going to bring you in on the tradition uh, here. It is time for Rapid Fire. We've got some questions here. Most of them have to do with kind of our season predictions for this Notre Dame team. Specifically, what we anticipate, what we think, and some other fun ones thrown in as well. So, here we go. Are you ready for some rapid fire, Brian? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's start with some overall team predictions for Notre Dame. Who do you think is going to be the Notre Dame defensive MVP and offensive MVP when it's all said and done at the end of the season? Well, defensive MVP, when we did our show, I believe it was, it was uh, Brandon Joseph is who yep. I went with there. Yep. Offensive MVP, I'm going to go with Michael Mayer. So I'm going to take the I'm going to take the easy one on offense, just because even when his numbers aren't going to be, you know, necessarily where they need to be, it's going to be because he's playing great and teams are focused on trying to stop him. And that's that's why he is my he is my pick for the most valuable player. Maybe not most outstanding or whatever, but most valuable. I think it's going to right. be him. And I'm not going to take the easy route. And go oh quarterback, you know, like oh okay. Michael Mayer is going to be the most valuable player on that offense because his his presence will then make Tyler Buckner better as opposed to necessarily the other way around. That's fair. I I am also going with Joseph on defense, but I am going to, I am taking the easy route and I'm taking Tyler Buckner. I I, I know, I know. I I just think the the whole season kind of rides on what he can do. And if he's not who we think he is, I don't think the season's going to go the way we think it is. So uh, I, I have to go with Tyler Buckner. So, breakout player on both sides of the ball brian go my breakout player on offense is going to be brayden Lindsay. i do right. think brayden is going to become a very key part of this football team i think he's going to be a big play threat i think we're going to see a lot more of the 2019 version of brayden Lindsay, but a little bit thicker stronger version of it on offense and he is going to be a very key part of this as everybody's focusing on mayor and styles and tyree and of course buckner they're gonna be like ah we don't worry about number zero and number zero is going to say yeah, it's probably a bad idea and so he's going to be my breakout player on, on defense or on offense. My breakout player on defense, I've been back and forth on this, Vince, a lot of different ways. I'm going to go with Maris Lufau. I think okay. he's going to be healthy. I think he's going to have a big year. As long as he plays 12 games in the regular season, I think Maris is going to have big-time numbers, big-time production, and be very important to this team. And he's going to go from a guy with 20-some career tackles to one of the better linebackers in the Midwest, if not the country. So he's going to be my breakout player on defense. So for offense, for me, I'm going with your all-time favorite player's number, and I'm going to go with Chris Tyree, number 25. I, I think that he has an opportunity to be very special, both in the run game and the pass game. I think he's going to be a key cog to this offense and what they want to do. So you're going to see him moving all over the place. One of the keys for any defense that's going to play Notre Dame is going to be you've got to find, of course, 87, but you're also going to have to be able to locate 25. And I think there's going to be a lot of matchup disparities in Notre Dame's favor when 25 is either split out, if he gets the ball between the tackles, I don't care. I I think Chris Tyree is going to have a breakout season as the main cog behind uh, Tyler Buckner or beside Tyler Buckner, depending on how you look at it. Defensively, this one's a little bit harder, but I'm going to go with Riley Mills. And I, and I know that that might be a cop out as well. But I think, you know, obviously Isaiah Foskey is going to get a lot of attention. Jason Adam Iola is going to get a lot of attention. There's going to be a lot of guys getting a lot of attention. I don't think I, that's a cop-out, Vince. I think that's a very – I mean, that was my – that would have been my number two. Right. I, so you're good. 
just feels like Riley Mills is is on the verge of having a breakout season because he's going to be dealing with a lot of one on ones. And even as the season progresses, hold, and Riley hold on, Mills- hold on a second, Vince. Hold on a second. Oh, what do you got? That's Cam Hart wanting to know why you're off of the train since you picked him to be your breakout player earlier in the the week. He wants to know why he's no longer your breakout player. So I just wanted to find out why Cam wasn't your pick as breakout player anymore. That's fair. That, that's fair. I might have to give up my role in <laughs> our fan club. Uh, but I did, I did go Riley Mills for this show. Hey, I'm allowed to change my mind. I know? know. And it's just of all the things I thought you might have changed your mind on, I didn't well, think that was going to be the that one. So, <laughs> Oh, you crack me up, dude. Okay, so you're calling me out on my stuff, and you're right about that, but I'm still going to go with Riley Mills for this show. Even when he starts putting up numbers, you can't ignore – the other guys, you can't ignore Foskey and you can't ignore Adam Alola and you, you just, you can't. And so I think he's going to get one-on-ones a lot. So I like it. I like where, you know, Riley Mills is going to be. And yes, of course, I love me some Cam Hart still going all American for Cam Hart. Yeah. I think he's so going to be really good. your answer should have been no, since this is my show, I'm changing the term for breakout and it's going to go from a guy who wasn't a starter and already a good player to someone who's going to become that. That should have been your response. You're right. right. Come on, Vince. <sighs> I taught you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm derailing things. It's I good apologize. Stuff. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to, this is kind of a, this is a big, this is a, a softball question, but who's your, who's your freshman of the year on offense and your freshman of the year on defense. It's Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Mickey. I mean, this is a pretty easy one. And I know we'll talk more about Tobias here in a minute, so I won't get too much into that. Jaden Mickey, I think, is going to be the guy. I could see Benjamin Morrison becoming that. I could see J- Junior Tua Alamaka. I could see, you know, one of the freshman defensive linemen stepping up. But Jaden Mickey being an early enrollee, being an incredibly confident kid, being a very talented kid, being someone who can play some nickel, yeah. which can then give you some opportunities to maybe get Tariq Bracey outside at times as well. I think is really, really important. They're going to need him to be the top rookie on defense, and I think he will be the top rookie on defense. All right. Will he finish his career as the best guy from that class on defense? Maybe, maybe not, but I definitely sure. think he'll be the – I feel confident that he'll be the best as a freshman. Well, and he he had the advantage of coming in, obviously, in the spring, and I think, you know, if, if Benjamin Morrison had come in the spring, then we might be having a debate right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and I just think, you know, Jaden Mickey had that opportunity. He seized it. He did everything he was supposed to do. And that's a huge opportunity. I mean, it's a huge opportunity. So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. Those are the two guys that I had as my freshman, you know, MVPs as well. Let's move on to a fill in the blank, Brian. Vegas, in all of their infinite wisdom, we all know that they have Notre Dame as a 17 and a half point dog in this game, but they also have set Notre Dame season over under win total at eight and a half. It would be blank. If the Irish finish the season with eight or fewer wins. Devastating. Devastating. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I just don't. It's the same thing last year, Vince. Remember, it was like seven and a half last year. And I was, we were like, what the world? Like, are we missing something? And that team played bad last yes. year. I mean, they were a media, like their execution for most of the year, especially on offense, was kind of mediocre all year. They were bad for what Notre Dame is supposed to be, and they still won 11 games. Yeah. So I don't understand it. I don't see who that – I mean, so I'm supposed to have more faith in USC, who went 4-8 last year over Notre Dame. It just doesn't make any sense, and I don't think it's about Marcus Freeman as much as it's just the lack of faith in Notre Dame. I understand Ohio Notre Dame being a 17.5-point favorite against Ohio State. I get that one. 
the eight and a half win total is kind of absurd to me, and that's yeah. disrespectful. Like, yes. what what does this team need to do? They've literally won minimum nine games in the regular season each of the last five years. The only year that they didn't win nine more ten games in the regular season was 2017, a year after they went four and eight, and they did that against a schedule that had seven ranked opponents in the regular season. You know, so you know, it just it that makes no sense. And if it, but if they're right. And Notre Dame wins eight or, eight or fewer. That's devastating. We'll crush the recruiting momentum. Right. It'll rightfully raise major doubts about, okay, was this the right hire? Is the talent level what we think it is? It'll be devastating if Notre Dame wins eight or fewer games. I mean, nine and three would be disappointing, barring something crazy. Eight and four would be devastating. I I use the word shocking because I would be absolutely floored if that actually took place because – I have a really hard time finding four teams on this schedule that Notre Dame will lose to all of them. Now, could I make a case that there's four teams on the schedule that Notre Dame could possibly lose to go three and one against that set or two and two? Okay, we can have that conversation, but I just don't see them losing all four. Going eight and four would be incredibly disappointing. It would be shocking. Like there would have to be three or four just devastating injuries for that to happen. Uh, Maybe even more than that, to be honest with you. Like season enders early on, and even then, this roster is pretty deep to where they're still going to get there. Vince, in 2015, they lost their start. By the end of the second game of the year, they had lost their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their starting tight end, their starting nose guard, and their starting nickel. They had lost all of them. And then by the, uh, I think, the fifth game, they had also lost Drew Tranquil. And that team still went 10-2 and in the regular season, and almost beat Clemson, who was yeah. the national runners-up, almost beat Stanford, who finished the year top five. Yet I'm supposed to believe that this team is going to go eight and four. Right. I, it just, know, it's just, I don't yeah. see it. It's stupid, but it's free money in my pocket. So yeah. go ahead and set that number at eight and a half, and I'll be celebrating by game right. nine. Or so that's just fine. Yeah. Okay, next up on the list. Whose freshman receiving line – Will Tobias Merriweather's line most resemble at the end of the season? I got some choices for you. Okay. Floyd had 48 catches for 719 yards and seven touchdowns. He was good. He was real good. Back in 08. He was good. Kevin Stefferson, 25 catches, 462 yards and five touchdowns. Or TJ Jones, 23 catches, 306 yards and three scores. If I I'm going to go with Kevin Stefferson being my my first thought. I think you know conservatively. I if I'm right about Braden Lindsey and and Lorenzo Styles, and I think Jaden Thomas is going to have a quality year. You've got the tight end. I think that 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 Kevin Stefferson's numbers are much more reasonable. Right. Uh, I think you real. It's not reasonable. Realistic as far as a preseason prediction. I, can I can I can I throw like a little asterisk in there, Vince? Of course. If I'm wrong and it's another one of the two players, I predict it'll be closer to Michael Michael Floyd's numbers than TJ Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think if if I'm wrong and he's not around, you know, 25 catches, 400 some yards, five TDs. If 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 I'm wrong and that's not the range, I think the range will be higher, not lower. Okay, okay, very interesting. I think we're going to get a heavy dose of Tobias Merriweather today. I, I think this is it. May not be as coming out. That surprised me a little bit. I I think, say, if they're throwing him a ton of balls in the opener against Ohio State, that would surprise me a little bit. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. I, you know, again, I don't know what that necessarily will look like from a stat line, but I think he's going to be out there and he's going to be he's going to get playing time. Um, 
I had a hard time with this one because it's funny because Kevin Stefferson's catches 25 versus TJ Jones catches 23, but you had a 150 yard difference right. with yardage and a two touchdown difference. Right. When, and TJ played a lot more too. Absolutely. I mean, Kevin no. wasn't, yeah, Kevin right. didn't start early. I mean, I don't, I don't think he caught a pass in the opener. He had another game with no catches. He had a game with one catch. Uh, TJ was a starter at game one. If you remember, TJ scored a touchdown in the second game of the year. Man, that long touchdown on a, it was a, they ran a flood concept on a sprint out. Dan Chris hit him over the top for a touchdown. I mean, he was a starter basically yeah, for that team. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. Kevin Stefferson almost felt like almost like a package wide receiver as a freshman. Like he didn't, right. I don't know. So at least early I, second yeah. half of the year, he went, he was pretty stinking good, but yeah, and early, I, and I, yeah. I, I think Tobias Merriweather is going to get time earlier than we saw Kevin Stefferson get time. So mm-hmm. I will say that. So yeah, I agree with you. I think it is Kevin Stefferson's numbers. If he if he if he eclipses 500 yards, I would be a little bit surprised, but ecstatic. Obviously, I don't know that his touchdowns are necessarily going to be that high, but he's such a big target in the end zone, or I mean, in the red mm-hmm. zone. That I don't know how you don't go to him. How do you not put yeah. you know Mayer on one side and Tobias Merriweather on the other side and hope for good things? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you, you got options at that point, so. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll we'll see what happens. I just don't know that his touchdown numbers are going to be that high. Please prove me wrong, Tobias Merriweather. I will say that. <laughs> okay, next one. Which number will be greater this season? Michael Mayer's touchdown catches or Isaiah Foskey's sack total? So are you saying will will Fos- will Mayer have more touchdowns this year than Foskey has sacks this year, or will? Okay, I'm going to go with Foskey and Sachs. Okay. Uh, yeah. If, if you're going to ask me who has a better chance of surpassing the number they had last year, I'd go with probably Mayer. Okay. Uh, but if between the two, I'm definitely going Foskey. I I could see him having nine or ten sacks, taking a step back numbers-wise, but being a better pass rusher because it means his teammates are getting more sacks, you know, because they're trying to avoid him, like stepping away from him into Riley Mills' hands or into Coward Cross's arms or whatever. But, yeah, of those two, I'm definitely going – I'm definitely going Isaiah Foskey. Oh, yeah. If, if I'm wrong, it's either Michael Mayer has a monster year, which would be great, or something something went wrong with Isaiah right. Foskey. Right, and I, I I'm predicting. I mean, we had some Isaiah Foskey questions, you know, earlier on, and I, I just feel like Isaiah Foskey is going to have a year. I, I, he's got a great chance to break the modern, gotta say, modern sack record at Notre Dame. I think he's got a great opportunity at that. I believe it's 13 and a half, something along those lines, and. Mm-hmm. You know, he had 10 or he had 11 last year, right? Um, and I just feel like that's going to be a great opportunity for him. I think he can get it. I, even with all the extra attention that he's going to get, we talked about Riley Mills earlier. Yeah, I think he's going to be great. And I, I just, if, if teams allow Michael Mayer to have 14 touchdowns, then Notre Dame is going to be really, really good offensively. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it is going to be Foskey. So, Let's burn through some of these here kind of quickly. Over under 35 and a half total touchdowns for Tyler Buckner this season. So throwing so and running. Over. over. I predicted 40. My bold prediction this year was 40. I think even 36, 37 is in line with what we've seen from other quarterbacks. I think his running ability will boost his overall touchdown number. So I am going over. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. Here it is. Let's go with our season predictions for Notre Dame. Give me the record. Give me what bowl they're going to be in. And, you know, their postseason destination, obviously bowl and postseason could be the same thing. But give me me your prediction for where you see this team going this year. 
I'm still where I was at last week. I'm 11-1. and one. I don't know who they're going to lose to. Could be tonight. Could be down the road. I think going undefeated is hard. I think 11-1 and one is my pick. And I think they will play in the Fiesta Bowl this year in the postseason, which, of course, as you know, is a part of the college football playoff. Yeah, that is it. Another return trip. To- I, I went Fiesta Bowl because I think the Peach Bowl is the other one. It is. And you'll see like an SEC team probably there in the way that I think that, you know, so it could be there. They get an right. op- the option right. of going either one, right? Right. So if Bama's the one seed, then I could see Notre Dame being um, in the Peach Bowl against Bama. If Bama's the two seed, I could see Notre Dame in the Peach Bowl as the three seed. I'm just going Fiesta Bowl just because I think the geographic aspects of it will play out that way. I Hey, I enjoyed Arizona last time. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. All about, all about a return go karting again. That was a lot of fun. See, you left me out of that. Just because you flew in late. All right, you were hanging out with your you know father in law and stuff while we were having fun. My first <laughs> totally kidding. kidding. Right. Anyway, uh, so uh, not to you know belabor the point, I also had them 11-1. and one. I think there will be a loss along the way. It's very hard to go undefeated. You mentioned that earlier in the show. I don't know where that loss is going to be. Don't pin me down to that one. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's later. I don't know. 11-1 and one just feels right to me, and I hate to say it, but 10 wins feels like a disappointment. I, it just does. And so uh, it's 11-1. and one. It's a college football playoff, an 11-1 and one Notre Dame team is getting into the college football playoff. I, I just, I feel like that. And I don't care what bowl they go to, whether it's the Fiesta or the Peach, uh, but I think they're going to be in the playoff. So that's my prediction for the season. Let's let's talk game prediction for today, Brian. We did post them on the website already yesterday. That's when our normal prediction goes out. But what is your prediction for this game tonight? Give me your score, and give me a reason why. I go 34-26 Notre Dame. I think that both teams are going to score six times. I think Notre Dame's going to have more touchdowns, and Ohio State's going to have more field goals. I think Notre Dame's red zone defense is going to be key. I think that the defense is going to be harassing. I think they're going to be penetrating. I think it's going to result in Ohio State having some uncharacteristic uncharacteristic mistakes, which also includes the fact that, Vince, as you know, the pass game does tend to take a little longer to get going than the run game. So if Notre Dame can slow down the run game, then I think they'll be able to create enough stops in the pass game to keep Ohio State's points down enough to win the game. And I think that they'll be able to, to run the ball effectively. I think we're going to see some big plays in the pass game, uh, especially early. I think Notre Dame is going to kind of get hot early, get some big plays, whether it's a screen that goes big, whether it's a, a shot over the top. I think that's how I see this game playing out. And, you know, good weather, bad weather doesn't really change for me. The score yeah. doesn't change for me. I think it's going to be a 34-26 Notre Dame victory, but it's going to be a great game. I do anticipate this being a very, very good football game. I hope you're right. I, that will make for such a sweet drive home. It'll make for such a sweet walk to the car after the game if Notre Dame is victorious. I'll just rip off all my Notre Dame stuff everywhere. It'll be fantastic. My prediction is a little bit different. I have Ohio State winning 31-28. to I know. I know. And I'm like – I'm a huge homer. I want Notre Dame to win this game. There's no question about it. I'm just not ready to go there yet. And as I sit here on September 3rd, this is the only game I will be picking Notre Dame to lose. This is the only one. I see them winning the rest of them. But And I also see it being a game. I see it being 31-28. It's going to be a one-score game. It's going to come down to the end. There's no doubt about that. I think I'm really excited to see Al Golden's defense. I'm excited to see the creativity from Tommy Reese and I think Tyler Buckner is going to surprise a lot of people. I think Notre Dame gets a lot of positive press out of this. I think they get a lot of positive momentum out of this, even if they do have a close loss. But I 
I just can't pull the trigger. I just can't pull the trigger. I know I probably should be shunned and, and left for dead on the side well, of the road. But the whole point of this, Vince, is to be objective. I am giving my Notre Dame prediction because I honestly believe that's how the game is going to play out. You're giving your prediction because that's how you honestly believe the game is going to play out. And that's what we do here. We give you our honest object. We may be wrong. One of us tonight will be wrong. That's correct. We came into this with, uh, that's how we see it playing out. So, uh, and I do think the one thing we can agree on, the loser of this game doesn't lose again. The loser of this game will run the table. But I have no doubt about that. I think these are two... Like Ohio State fans saying, well, you don't respect Ohio State. No, no, I, I think Ohio State's really good. I yeah. probably think in the long same line, I think they're one of the two to three best teams in the country. No doubt. I just think this is a matchup that's good for Notre Dame, and I just think Notre Dame is a team that's going to win the game. But I think Ohio State, if they lose, if I'm right, Ohio State will not lose again, and I'm going to feel really bad for the teams they play this year the rest of the way because they're going to be pissed. <laughs> and if, if Notre Dame loses, I feel the same way. As long as it's competitive – I'm like, okay, I kind of feel bad for the teams they're about to play because this team has a championship destiny in their minds and in their hearts, and they're going to know they lose this game. We got to really take it out on some people, and I think that's what's going to happen. So, Okay, so those are our predictions. Can we please pull this up before we get – I know we got a couple other Super Chats that you and Ryan will get – that we'll get to before we get to the national stuff, but I thought this was just flipping hilarious. I'm sorry. Bronx Bronx ND fan with the massive Super Chat. Thank you so much, Bronx. He goes, I'm back. <laughs> so excited for this game. I might tackle my fiance when she gets home with the wings tonight. Prayers for Sean. Notre Dame wins with a game-winning field goal by Groupie. Let's go. Love it. <laughs> Love it. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of enthusiasm that we want here at Irish Breakdown. Thank you, Bronx ND fan. Really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.